0: my babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy, I'm Joe Stapleton. That over there, that person, that human, that's my work wife, that's James Hardigan.
1: Happy Coral Triangle Day, Joe. Yes, that's right, on this week's Poker in the Ears, we're celebrating and raising awareness of ocean conservation and protection.
0: Somebody watched Seaspiracy over the weekend.
1: I care deeply about ocean conservation and protection, not just on Happy Coral Triangle Day, and I don't need a Hackney documentary to make me care.
0: That's fair enough. I'm very easily swayed by movies, as you can tell. Coming up on today's show, I am in San Diego for a live poker tour. Stop. What is happening? It is...
1: What's that? It's so weird. It's not like you're in a different country. It's like you're in a different universe. Not only do you have live poker, you now have live poker tours again.
0: Live poker tours, and I'm I'm outside of the PokerStars Arena. I think for I hate maybe you. the first time in uh, a very very long time. Yes, don't don't hate me too much, guys. Uh, but yes, uh, we are out of the house again uh, for the penultimate show of the season, and we have saved the best for nearly last. Uh, It's been a pretty wild entertainment slash poker crossover season. And that trend is continuing today with writer, producer, comedy genius, Kim Caramelli. She's also a poker fan. Uh, One of the funniest people I know. She is on the show today. And I'm a little nervous about this because she is very, very quick. Um, She's scary. Also... (laughs) Making an appearance on today's show is Mark Hindry, longtime super fan here to challenge me to trivia on the subject of Top Boy. I'll 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 give you guys my thoughts on Top Boy later. Uh, I also want to talk video games a little bit today because I think the systems are are finally starting to hit their strides.
1: Okay. Um, well, the good news is that. I understand that Kim is also a big gamer, so I'm sure the subject will come up during this week's interview.
0: Let's hope so. Let's hope so. She actually got me playing uh, Call of Duty, the last one, believe it or not. Uh, and like me, doesn't like shooting the people, plays the zombies only. Um, first and foremost, I did MC a live poker tournament uh, slash birthday party for a, a, an old poker friend. Well, the guy that founded Poker News, I'm still friends with that dude. Wow. Uh, is, Yeah. His wife, uh, Jen, had her birthday last week, and I went and emceed a tiny little two-table poker tournament. And the only reason I I brought it up is because I got two outed again. So there you go. Uh, That's it.
1: Have I told you my first story about the encounter, my first encounter with John, which was at the World Series of Poker? in the summer of 2005, when obviously he was just starting Poker News and pretty much was Poker News, right? He was the editor, the writer, the reporter. And I don't know if you remember, Joe, but that 05 World Series, it was the first year it was played at the Rio. But when it got down to the final three tables, when it got down to the final 27, they then moved to Binion's. And at that point they then decided that all of the media were effectively not going to be allowed inside the tournament area and exclusive live reporting rights. I think that year were with card player magazine. Correct.
0: Yeah. So and I was with card player right. and they, they got, didn't need us. We all showed up to work one day and they were like, uh, they're kicking everyone out. We don't really need you. We got BJ. And then we just had the rest of the series off.
1: So I remember, the, the wider poker media being really, really pissed off about this. Yes. And I remember John from Poker News basically taking a stand and deciding, fuck the World Series of Poker. I'm not covering the final two days of this event. I'm done with it. I'm not reporting on it. And I thought, good for you for staging a little petty protest. Your website's never going anywhere.
0: I was wrong. Dude, I thought the exact same thing. I used to see Caldwell standing at his little booth, right? He was, as you said, a one-man band. He'd be yeah. standing at the booth in the Rio, and I'd be like, and I worked for Card Player, right? Like, <laughs> this little shit-heel, 24-year-old me was like, I work for Card Player. We have the exclusive. Look at poker news over here. Poor guy. This poor guy, he'll never make it 100% wrong.
1: So, Talk to me about San Diego. What is actually happening down there? How long are you there for? How much poker are you expecting to actually play?
0: So the the Run Good Poker Tour is like a little grassroots sort of, uh, you know, small buy-in poker tour that I think won like best – Won an award at the uh, the Poker Awards last time they were around for just putting on really great events in places that we don't typically go to. San Diego is a pretty big stop for them. They're usually like you know in the in the middle of America, some of the more rural locations, sort of cities and. In, in the Midwestern states. And so there, this is their first event back uh, here at Hamul Casino, which is not really in San Diego. It's kind of like in the middle of the desert. Well, typical Indian reservation type of thing here. Um, and, yeah, there's, like, just a whole bunch of events. They brought in the Survivor guys, Tyson Apostle, uh, former superfan on the show, Boston Rob, uh, big old Twitch streamer named uh, Jake Grenader or Grenader Jake I think he goes by also here and um we're just going to play like the main event like the big buy-in event I think is a 550 and all the other events are like 185 last night I played uh, I was a celebrity bounty in the uh, 135 dollars buy-in event which you know these are exactly my speed. These are exactly the kind of yeah. events that I would want to be playing. So it's really cool to have like one of the first events back here in the states to be uh, a small buy-in. Uh, you know that's sort of accessible to most people. Now I do have a funny story from not so much a funny story, but I'm going to try not to, to be too whiny about this. But I have a slight bone to pick. So last night was a. Um- I was going to say,
1: Joe, we listeners to this show accept now that if you're <laughs> telling a poker story, there is going to be. A certain amount of whining.
0: Obvious. Yeah, obvious. I think I do have a point this time, though. So obviously, I did not win the tournament. I soft-bubbled again. I think I finished about 35th place. 30 people got paid, uh, which was frustrating for sure. Blockers aren't real. Just going to continue to drive that home. Uh, but what happened was, of the 10 bounties, uh, for a long time, ever at my table thought that I was the last bounty standing and it uh, turns out that uh, Grenader Jake uh Destiny 2 streamer was still alive ended up getting seated right next to me and within a few hands i actually knocked out Grenader Jake but then i was told that i didn't get to keep Jake's bounty i had to then have a double bounty on me oh that's a bit harsh i was pretty i thought that was a little bit harsh now granted They're being really cool to us at Hamul. Like, you know, this is the one celebrity, (laughs) loose definition of celebrity, uh, event happening. Uh, So I'm going to, you know, assume that that was my, like, little give back uh, for being here was having a double bounty. Because, James, I got to tell you, you know this, and I've complained about this on the show before. It sucks being a bounty. Absolutely. And it sucks even more when you're a double bounty uh, the the funny part is that they were mystery bounties, but because they were the only two left, everyone knew exactly what was in <laughs> in my bounties, and one of them was a five hundred dollar main event seat. Wow, uh, which which I would have really liked to keep. Um, the just good to go news back is on that though,
1: I, yeah. When you say it sucks being the bounty, I think it just completely changes the dynamic, and I think what it means is you just have to play incredible incredibly abc poker you have to play premium hands only and the good news is if you have a premium hand you're going to get paid off assuming it holds it just means that there's no real license to be creative no bluff is ever getting through if you try and you know semi-bluff a hand there's no point you may as well just check and just hope to get there it just changes your approach to every single street of every single hand
0: yeah, exactly. Like, for example, there are a lot of spots where I would probably like I had pocket tens in a bunch of spots where I would probably put in a three bet. And I was like, what's the point? Like, I don't know what the yeah. point is. Like, I'm never going to get, you know, part of the reason you're three betting tens pre flop is to get some folds. And if you're literally never going to get folds, um, you know, I'd rather go four or five ways to the flop with pocket tens than just like go four or five ways to the flop in a much bigger pot (laughs) where everyone's calling anyway. Um, The good news is that my bust out hand wasn't a hand where someone just called for the bounty. I shoved the button with ace, 10 of diamonds and got called by king, queen and aces. So at least I didn't have to suffer the indignity of someone calling it off with Jack four because they wanted my bounty. Uh, Lots more live poker coming up from this stop. And hopefully I'll have some actual meaty hands Uh, to discuss with you guys on next week's show on the season finale cool Um, just to hey I've got some closure uh, on one thing we've been talking about extensively on this show and I know Kim's going to be very interested in this I'm going to have to tell her off the the air but uh, because she's been deeply involved in this drama in my life the tray is back oh you
1: and the fucking tray
0: (laughs) now the tray did come back and it did come back not empty what do you think was well, given back on the tray? I'm hoping
1: guess. that you didn't get blombed. Um, more than a stain, there was actually Je- baked goods on the tray. It How wasn't. Go on. A, a couple of croissants.
0: You know what? You're like a mishmash of all of those things. It, I, it wasn't. It wasn't baked goods. It was a. I think you guys have this over there. It was a package of Ferrara Rocher. Oh, that's not bad. Which is like it,
1: Spankus I- ambassador.
0: I was thinking about Ferrero Rocher and there's like a whole section of the population that thinks Ferrero Rocher is like the whoa, nicest whoa, 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 chocolate whoa, whoa. you can I, possibly I, buy in the world. I don't want to get
1: into a whole tomato. To am, I, my...
0: am I saying it wrong?
1: Ferrero Rocher. Ferrero Rocher.
0: Okay, I'll compromise. I'll say Ferrero, but I'm not saying Rocher.
1: Joe, these sweets are served at embassy parties by dignitaries <laughs> all exactly. over the world.
0: <laughs> so this is, this is like the weird ferrero rocher legend is that like people think it's like the most expensive decadent candy you can buy and the kinds of people that those people are imagining eating ferrero rocher would literally never touch it like you can get it at boots like it's
1: not you can i have to say i'm a big fan i find them fiercely addictive Um, yes so talking of closure I yes. did, in the last seven days, <laughs> finally watch Army of the Dead on Netflix. Oh, yes.
0: So please, I have
1: please. now seen it. And I thought it was perfectly watchable. I thought for a Zack Snyder movie, it was actually pretty decent. I only found out after watching it what they went through in, like, inserting Tignataro Tig in the movie. I yeah. never would have known. That is phenomenal, how seamlessly they did that.
0: It, um, it's phenomenal, but it's also kind of a little bit, sh- like soulless right like like what must have it been like for everyone else in that movie did they shoot everyone that way like it it. I will say this that it, it shows a little um the, the movie to me is I agree it's very it was very watchable I'm just gonna tell you this James don't think for a second about it Oh, no.
1: It's, it's no. Do not it, think for one second about I why wouldn't. there's
0: a horse no. or why there are alpha zombies or no. why there's a bunch of sleeping zombies. No, or- I hated
1: that whole thing where there's the alphas and the shamblers or whatever they're called. I think that the, the, the best thing about it, ironically, is probably the opening credit sequence, which is I really love Zack Snyder's opening credit sequence to Watchmen. And this is on the same level for me. I thought it was phenomenal and was probably the best part of the movie. Almost where like I'd rather watch that than the story you're telling in the movie. But the other thing is, I kind of feel that the Blade Runner sequel did kind of post-apocalyptic Vegas better and more effectively. Um,
0: And so did a bunch of the Resident Evil movies, to be honest. I think at least one of them is in post-apocalyptic Vegas. Do you know
1: what? I've never played a Resident Evil game and I've never seen a Resident Evil movie.
0: Well, I'm – it's funny you should mention that because I just started playing the Resident Evil games again. Right. Um, Resident Evil is what brought me back to video games. So I went through like a phase from like maybe like 13 to 19 years old where I was too – I'm like, I'm above video games. Like that's a kid thing. I don't do kids things. And then on college Christmas break, I went to – Visit my girlfriend's parents, and they had Resident Evil too. And I was like, "This is the this is the fucking coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. This is what video games are now. Like I lo- I love video games, and so I've always mostly just bought the systems to keep up with the Resident Evil games. and the And the PS five Resident Evil game came out like two or three weeks ago. Um, and so when I went to play it, it uh, it prompted me, I was like, do you want to like a catch up on the story if you haven't played Resident Evil 7? I'm like, "How I played Resident Evil 7? I went to buy it. It turns out I had already purchased Resident Evil 7 and hadn't actually finished it. You know why I didn't finish it? Because it was in VR, and it was so scary, I hated it. I was so <laughs> stressed out playing the game. The, the beginning of the game, you're in like a like a Texas chainsaw type situation where like this crazy family has you trapped and you have to run around the house without weapons or anything and just keep dodging these crazy. And I couldn't do it. I kept dying and it was stressing me out so much. I stopped playing the game. So I went back to resident evil seven last week. I'm too old for these games now, I think because I do get so stressed out playing them that when I'm done, like I gotta I gotta like go for a walk. Like I'm too too amped up. But I did finish Resident Evil 7, which means I'm about to start Resident Evil Village uh for uh for PlayStation 5. Probably when I get back from this trip. So I'm pretty excited about that. I just wanted really quick two two um two revisits I did this past week. You know, they released the new Conjuring on HBO Max and people are saying good things about it. So I went back and watched the first conjuring with my girlfriend and enjoyed it. And then we just happened to it was, like, advertised at the bottom of the screen after that. We re- I re Shazam, and she watched it for the first time. And I think Shazam is definitely, you know, exclude Batman. Right. Um, of all of the DC movies, Wonder Woman's the best one. And I think Shazam's, like, a, a second, and I can't even name a third.
1: I still haven't seen it, and I have to blame a lot of the marketing around the movie. Like, every trailer, every commercial I've seen in I'm just like, oh god but i'll take your word for it and i'll give it a
0: chance yeah you you, uh i i think you're gonna enjoy it it's pretty hard not to like that movie and hopefully shazam uh makes some more appearances in the dc universe because uh they could really use the help i think
1: okay well let's get to the meat and potatoes of this week's podcast shall we and introduce this week's guest Thrilled to have Kim Caramelli on the Poker in the Ears podcast. Kim, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Kim, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but this podcast is mostly what I have to do is I have to tie poker in as a way to interview my more successful friends, and <laughs> so so what I need to what I need from you right now is I need to know when and where did your love affair with poker start.
1: But first of all, you know, Joe, when you say poker. when you say your friends are more successful, do you mean in life or at poker or both?
0: Yes, both. Absolutely both. Like, <laughs> Kim's really good poker player.
2: I, I'm fine. I'm a fine poker player. Um, and I started playing, I mean, my dad taught us, you know, five card draw um, back when I, I was probably five or six. And he just like wanted somebody to like play again. So he taught my sister and I um, how to play and like what hand, like the hand rankings and stuff like that. Um, and like, he was pretty vicious. Like we would play with popcorn, um, as currency. And it's like, if I ate a a piece of popcorn, he'd be like, you're eating your cash. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I'd love to like go like play. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then once I got to college, um, sorry, my dog is like moving his food bowl around with his nose. Um, <laughs> once I got to college, it's kind of like I'm sure you guys you know have the experience where it's like it's hard to find um fun people who like know and take the game seriously to like play with kind of casually you know um, and so my then boyfriend now husband, I think was experiencing that in college and so he kind of like, made me learn the game like to have another body at the game I was like oh this is something he wants to like do with me and it's like no he like needed a seat filler um and it just happened to work out uh so yeah I started playing hold'em um in college and then I I kept playing because I'm so good at it (laughs)
1: I, when people ask how couples got together or you know, when people say like, you know, how, how did you meet your husband? I mean, that is a great story. He needed a shill for his poker game. I mean, <laughs> yeah, not many totally. people have that as a how they got together story.
2: Yeah. He's like, can you deal clockwise? OK, then, you know, let's get married. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was <laughs> but it, it was it was fun. And that's why it's also, you know, Joe is familiar with playing at a table with both my husband and myself grammar. Um and it's kind of <laughs> like that's always just how we've uh, how we've played so it doesn't, you know, I started playing competitively with and against him so it's just I've kind of just continued to do that into my real grown-up life.
0: So what what is it about the game that has made you stick with it beyond college, right? Like as a, you seek out poker games, it's something, you know, what what is it that's the draw for you?
2: I do. I, I mean, I play at. I play whenever I can. We live real close to Foxwoods. Um, we actually chose our house based on its proximity to Foxwoods. It's no. like in our spreadsheet. It was like how many bathrooms? how many bathrooms, it's <laughs> to Foxwoods. It's like the <laughs> real degenerate spreadsheet. Um, but what I love I, is that don't know. most just, people,
1: most people when they're searching for property are concerned. It's a bit too close to the casino. In your case, it's like major USP.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I can get there in 12 minutes, door to door, like sign me up. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, it's just a nice way of competing. I mean, I played um, volleyball in college and I was very competitive and, you know, not wanting to like be a 30 year old in like a rec center with like 15 year olds playing basketball in the distance. And me being like, does anybody know what this kind of ball is? <laughs> I didn't feel like seeking out that type of competition anymore. And so this is a way that I get to compete against a lot of different people. Um, I feel like I should say the social aspect, but that's actually a real downside to poker.
0: Um, <laughs> actually, Michael Ian Black <laughs> said the same thing, actually. He was like, I just want to go oh yeah, uh, put my headphones in and just zone out and don't really want to talk to anybody. Is that sort of your...
2: Sometimes. If I'm I'm in a bad mood when I get there, I'm not going to (laughs) like, like I bet these guys will cheer me up. Um, but if I'm in a good mood, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk. No, I, you know, the casino I used to play at in, um, in Chicago, I played at Harris and Juliet and it was a very small room. And so, you know, if I ever showed up with headphones on, people would be like, something's wrong with Kim today, you know? So it's like, that was a very social, um, you know, engage you type room, but at Foxwoods, you can get away with um, you know, not asking somebody about like their cute shirt that they have on. Uh, Yeah.
0: So your husband Vinny, who I love, by the way, everyone does. I'm sure that's not really a a thing that I need to say. Um, It's not
2: groundbreaking.
0: Says that he occasionally has to like pop in at your tables at Foxwoods to like make sure everything's okay.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Because I mean, I'm not like, if I see, if you see something, say something at a poker table. I, you know, I I don't, um, I I rub people the wrong way, uh, and so you know, if I intentionally, if I scratch,
0: most of the time, I'm just gonna add that.
2: I I do th- I say things knowing that it might bum people out, but I don't try to bum people out if that. I think that's a distinction that can be made. I can
0: see that distinction, but I I don't want to give it to you, but I absolutely understand what you're saying. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like I'll, you know, the, the other day, you know, we got to Foxwoods and we were at separate tables and I straddled um, my first hand in and it was a table of very elderly men who, one, were displeased that there was like a girl at the table who they'd have to explain the game to. Um, <laughs> And two to not be able to just see a flop for two dollars was a real bummer for them, and so they were like, "What is that?" Like you come in next hand. I was like, "No, I'm straddling in." And the guy next to me asked the guy to my right, "What does straddle mean?" I'm like, "You could ask the person who who did it. Like I like I could be a source of information for you on this." Um, and so you know things like that, where you know most of the time. If there's yelling at the table, it's because we're like jokingly bantering. Um, And then we'll just kind of pop over and be like, hi, you know, like, like come and say (laughs) hi. And I'll look at him and be like, hey, like, these are my friends or like, hey, you know, (laughs) it's kind of the difference of like one time back in in Chicago, I um He heard yelling (laughs) at my table because my neighbor uh, showed me his hand before mucking and the, a guy at the table who I don't like was like, what did he show you? And I was like, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was like? Okay. And, you know, Vinny heard somebody like yelling at me that I was an asshole. And so he kind of looked over. He's like, everything okay, Kim? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Just this guy called me an asshole. He goes, I didn't call her an asshole. I said she was being an asshole. I was like, he's right. That is...
1: I mean, that a, again, distinctions, which yeah. are really distinctions. Um, your Foxwood story reminds me of a time, the only time I ever played seven-card stud in Vegas, where I was the youngest person in the game by at least five decades. And <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I got accused of disrespecting the game for raising with a hand worse than
0: pocket jacks. So- the game
2: in general, not just that game, the game of poker. You yeah, I know. Just-
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I I have one note written down about uh knowing we were going to chat Kim. I mean I have tons of notes, but one that uh, you basically told me to write down and the phrase is I bet a dime. I bet are you, a dime. Are you I bet not a funny? dime. No, you you t- I wrote this down. Apparently there's some story where you kept saying I bet a dime over and over again. Oh,
2: I actually don't. I mean, I say that a lot because it's, you know, the what Danny DeVito says. in one flew over a cuckoo's nest.
0: Um, oh, OK. There we go. Yeah. But
2: I I don't have a, a story like to okay. that. Other than this great one. I just said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just teed that up terribly. Um, I have a you and uh, Vinny um, have pulled off somehow in a pandemic, have like managed to prank several members of our home game. Um, oh, yeah. You sent me multiple prank gifts, I believe, like one of our friends, Danny, was on a date and you tried to send like a, like a, like a mariachi band into a coffee shop on Danny's date.
2: On Danny's date, I I was disappointed that we weren't able to follow through with that. What I wanted to do was I wanted to, um, you know, we were trying to find out exactly where he was going. And it's like, if you ask questions, people like answering questions about themselves. Um, So like they'll usually just tell you you know so um i think i asked him i was like oh where are you taking her you know like obviously knowing i was going to try and mess with him in some way but i wanted to call the restaurant explain who he was and that he was going to be there on a date and then just pay for his half of the meal because <laughs> <laughs> that felt satisfying but i i couldn't get it together in time i wasn't sure what time he was going to be there um But But the the point is that you
0: tried, like you put some real thought into this.
2: Oh, no, I I put some real some real thought. Um, The thing with you, though, I feel like I wonder if you feel like you deserved it or not.
0: Oh, for sure. No, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. No, I wasn't like it wasn't like apropos of nothing. I'm like Kim and Vinny Vinny sent me a fucking tiny little violin because I'm always whining about losing at poker.
1: As we've established, Joe, already on this episode, every listener to this podcast can relate to that (laughs) gift because every poker anecdote you tell is a whiny bad beat story.
0: I mean, it'd be great if I ever won. I mean, I would love to tell a story about winning. It just hasn't happened. Now, I don't
1: know if you're aware, Kim. I don't know if you're aware, but we actually had a poker game a few weeks back which was a charity game. It was myself, Joe, and a few of the other Jared, people we worked yeah. with at Stars. Yeah, And Joe ran phenomenally well in this game and won a significant amount of money for the charity of his choice as the winner of the game. Was he satisfied? No, because of course it wasn't for his own personal gain and personal achievement. So as far as he's concerned, that's still a bad beat story because I'm running, bad, running good in a charity game
0: correct well, I, don't- I did
2: watch that and and you started off not running super well like the first few hands didn't go your way and then when you started playing well and running well I was like oh I bet he's gonna be frustrated because now he can't complain about those first <laughs> <hands.">
0: <laughs> that's a hundred percent true that's they
2: were then negated when your jacks held up Um, yeah, I did see that game. It, I, I I'm a I'm a fan first, and then a friend of of Stace.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. That's uh, all right. Well, I'm going to pivot to uh, to me fanboying you for a little bit. Um, you are um, one of the funniest people I know, and it turns out behind some of the funniest things that I have ever seen, uh, a, a writer on Inside Amy Schumer on Trainwreck. Um, just lots of things that I find to be awesome and hilarious. So I would like to know what your path was um, from whatever it was, you know, learning poker from your dad to a sketch comedy writer. Like what's the, what's the journey there?
2: Nepotism. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And
1: back to uh, poker.
2: Right. I was a, I was a school psychologist um, for five years. Um, cause I used to think I wanted to help kids eon, um,
0: <laughs> exactly. I, charity bullshit,
2: blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I worked, um, I, I worked in Chicago as a school psychologist for a few years and, um, you know, the whole time. And that was back when I could only play poker on the weekends, you know, because during the weekday it would have been like crazy to, you know, stay out till midnight. Um, but uh, yeah. And then my sister, Amy Schumer, she got a TV show with Comedy Central and they did one season. And she asked me to come and be a writer for it because like you, the girl knew I was hilarious. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and I said, I said, no, you know, I had just started at a new school. Um, so you didn't
0: want to do it. You didn't want to write comedy.
2: No, no, I, I heartily said, no, I'm not gonna do that. Um, I wanted to be a school psychologist. Uh and um and Amy was like, okay, that's fine. She was like, but um if we get picked up for a second season, you know, will you come and, and work on the show? Because there's always a chance that, you know, shows aren't gonna last. Um and I said, you know, fine, kind of like assuming that it wasn't gonna last. Um, and then the moment that she got her, the call from her agents that there was going to be a second season, she called me and was like, guess what, bitch? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, so I went and I asked my district because I, I was only going to do it for, you know, a half a year, like the writing and shooting only takes place over like six months. And so I asked my school for a six month sabbatical. Um, the last school psychologist who's, position I like replaced. She was going to come in. Like she already agreed to work the six months and the board (laughs) was like, no.
0: Uh
2: Meanwhile, Vinny's school gave him a sabbatical to like come and do this. Um, but mine was like, no. Um, and so I was like, okay, then I guess I quit. And they're like, oh, I was like, okay. (laughs) You know, it was very, very strange. Um, and then I went to New York and, um, you know, from Chicago, I lived there for, a couple months. Um, and I found that I was like good at it and that a lot of like my jokes and my sketches and everything were ones that people like really laughed at and made it to filming and made it to air. Um, and so kind of seeing that I was good at it, my sister was also like, Oh, like, um, do you want to come and, you know, work with Judd on, um, on train wreck with me? And I said, okay. So then that's another six months that got pushed. And I kind of just kept if I had like failed kind of right away, I would have been like, well, that was fun and gone back to, you know, working in schools. But, um, I, I, I did well and I liked it. So I, I kept, I kept doing it. And you know, here I am.
0: That's uh,
2: From my otter mug talking to, to you, lovely gentlemen. I mean, that's,
0: that's so, <laughs> I mean, what a compliment, right? Like, not just from your sister, but from anyone to say, you are such a funny person. You need to change careers. I have to have you on this thing. Like that's just wild.
2: It was cool. And then kind of getting offered work. Cause at first I just thought it was like, Oh, you know, like just I'm I'm Amy's sister. So that's why people are like being like nice to me and laughing at my stuff. And then when I started kind of getting offered gigs outside of that, and you know, I, the the first few jobs I took, I would always be like, but it's, it's just going to be me. They're like, yeah, we know. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I was making, (laughs) right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's, it's been nice that I've gotten to kind of keep doing this as she goes off and like does her own stuff. And I've, been doing my own thing and it's, it's been, it's been really nice, but I just now kind of stopped like apologizing um, for like being in, (laughs) in a room in a professional capacity.
0: Uh, I I have a, I just like some questions about the show inside Amy Schumer. Um, Was it ever like a lot of the sketches focus on Amy's appearance, mocking Amy's appearance, uh, making fun of Amy. Was it ever uncomfortable pitching sketches to the star of the show? Um, that no. mock her.
2: <laughs> no, it was it was only fun, and you know she she was very gracious and welcoming, and you know because you have to like say things to her in front of a room of people, and yeah. like everyone laughs at her, you know. But it's like, you know, for, there was one sketch where, um, that I pitched, it was it was like the first thing I ever wrote where Amy goes in to do some voiceover work um, and, you know, for like a, a cartoon where there are animated meerkats and it's like sexy spy meerkats. And then she sees her meerkat and it's just like this toothless, like one-eyed <laughs> toad of a meerkat that's like very vile. And I, you know, I pitched it and, Everyone was just laughing so hard that it like because it's not it's not making fun of her or her her appearance. It's it's like seeing how people feel about themselves, like coming true to life. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of people think I think a lot of healthy people think that like they walk in a room and people are like, oh, that like looks weird. And it's like, nobody notices that, that your eye is slightly lower or that your, you know, your hair is very perfect. Um, But that's just (laughs) what we think, you know, that's just what we think about ourselves. And so it, it was able to really kind of pitch the the theory and not the person. Um, and she was very welcoming and accommodating of that.
0: Yeah. And and speaking of that sort of those sort of themes you touch on. Um, so I recently watched every season of this and I have to say that the show, like there's so many shows from the era you watch and they feel old already. This show feels like it could have been made last year. Yeah, um, I think it holds up. It's very contemporary and this might be a tough question for the answer, but Do you think the show is kind of underrated? Because I think that like Key and Peele, for example, got a ton of attention, deservedly, like great sketch show. But when I go back and watch this Inside Amy Schumer, I think it's just as good.
2: Yeah, I you know, I because I was just so in the thick of it that, you know, I got Google alerts for it. And, you know, like we were nominated for all this stuff and we won an Emmy and a Peabody and like all this stuff. So I think critically, I don't think we were underrated. It was rated. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was rated and, and, um, it felt good. And, uh, uh, so I don't really, and this was like before I was involved with Twitter. So I don't know if like people were talking about it. I just know kind of what like critically was going on with it, but, um, Yeah, I think it still is very, very relevant um, because we talked about a lot of social issues. Unfortunately, it's still very relevant, you know? But one of the sketches I wrote was, you know, like people accusing women of being witches and it's really just that they slept with them and got STDs. Like, I still feel like, you know, people still really kind of drag women for their own issues um, and their own shortcomings. And I don't think that that's really changed much. So I think that that's why you could watch it today and be like,
0: hmm. Yeah, and- I know that this question. I kind of don't like when people ask me this question, but I still feel the need to try to get an answer from you. Is that there's a lot of comedy in this show that's like close to the bone or edgy or whatever you want to call it, right? That's just kind of like I, not. I wouldn't call it mean. It's just sort of, um, uh, I don't know, ed- edgy is, is where I would put it. Um, and I don't. Do you think that like if this show got recommissioned that you would be able to go after things the same way with the same intensity, the same, like, th- like there's a whole sketch where the word rape is said like a hundred times. Right. And it's amazing. And it's hilarious. Those were
2: all, those were all improvised.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just so glad this show exists and I hate when people say this, but I feel like it just wouldn't happen now. Uh, at least for a little while.
2: Um, I think I think we could do it. I mean, there's there's talk of coming back for a fifth season um, and, you know, like I've already started writing down some sketch ideas and I I think it could still work. Um, I think the balance would be, you know, um, it's kind of like w- one of the descriptions that Amy always gave was sneaking, you know, shaved carrots into like cake and stuff like that. It's like you give the audience like knowledge and information while they just think they're watching sketch and comedy and they're like, this is really funny. And so I think it's hard to, it's hard to find the nuance now. um, And to, you know, not just be like, this is fucking bullshit. You know, so as long as we can avoid um, just like flat out yelling at, at people and instead just like putting things in a different perspective to make people like realize that they're, thinking about things differently without being told to think about this differently. I think that's, you know, that's kind of always been, um, what we'd like to do as a show. And, and I think, you know, I think we could figure out a way of, of doing that now.
0: I think you guys can too, although it's so much more tempting just to yell at people.
2: It's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> to yell at people. It seems so much more like this side, this side now. And so, you know, back then, like we were able to kind of operate in the gray area with a lot of things, but I feel like that gray area is getting smaller and smaller.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just as I'm going through the rest of your IMDb page, I have to know what was the MTV movie MTV movie award, special material that you're credited with on IMDb. So, you know,
2: you, like we write things for the presenters to say, and for the sketches and like the kind of interstitials, like we did a thing where Amy was, Auditioning for like different roles that had been nominated for movie awards. Um, and so it's just like it's 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 that it's things the presenters say, and it's like the little sketches that have to take place between. Oh, we did a, a thing where she, um, because Divergent was like a big game that year, a, a big movie that year, and she you know had to like go up and um, this is long and boring, but it was that stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and then finally, uh, what can you tell me about this life and Beth that I see? And why are you poaching players from our home game to be in it?
2: I'm not working on that. So I, I can take no, I take no fault for poaching our, our players. Okay, good. Um, Yeah. That's something that I, I'm not working on. Um, but you know, it seems really.
0: Is that, is that an error on your IMDB page or you're just, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, it
2: probably still says I'm working on Barbie. It's like Amy and I were going to write, um, the barbie movie and you know and then that didn't happen and so that was up there for like a long time i would get calls and you know be like how's filming going i'd be like we got a draft in you know um, <laughs> S- sorry
1: because uh, i, I yeah. mean this this is a shocking revelation you're telling me that there's a piece of information on an online resource which is not 100 yeah. accurate i mean this just has this never one. happened before
2: just this one yeah but we found it and we've addressed it Thank and i God. hope we can move forward as there a will, nation
0: there will never be another so so then, Kimberly, what is your show? What is your dream show, uh, your carte blanche Netflix first look deal?
2: I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out now. It's like
1: Can I incept the idea of a poker comedy show just because it would, <laughs> no. A, entertain me, and B, help grow the game?
0: Absolutely
2: nope. not. <laughs> 100% now. Poker is actually very – and I'm sure Stapes – I mean, you guys know. It's very hard to shoot. Yeah. Just – you know, from a, a practical thing, it's, it's hard to shoot. And I, I would want to get so like technical with it. I, I hate watching poker in television and movies. I hate it so much. It, like, it's never like really- a huge
0: part of this podcast is us being like, there's a new poker scene and something mainstream, like let's watch it and dissect it. And every time we're just so disappointed. It's, brutal.
2: <laughs> it's Completely. It's totally brutal. Um, but uh, I did, speaking of poker scenes, I don't know. Steve, did I tell you my um, my Koppelman story?
0: No. Oh, I God. mean, if, if not, I'm going to pretend, if you have, I'm going to pretend like I haven't heard it so we can hear it on the podcast right now.
2: Please, yeah. Um, so I was, this was a couple of years ago, and I was at the comedy cellar, and I was upstairs, you know, sitting at the table with the, with the comics, and I got into a argument, if you can believe it. <laughs> oh, I got into a discussion with uh, Keith Robinson, who's this really, really funny comic um, and terrible human being. But uh, <laughs> we were talking about, you know, because I, I was telling him like, oh, like I'm excited to go back to Chicago so I could like play poker. And he was saying that blackjack is kind of the same as, as poker as far as community goes. And I was like, it's completely different. I was like, you have, you make like forming relationships with other poker players, good and bad, but it's very much a a community and you're sitting there and you're playing against each other instead of the dealer. So like things like obviously go into that differently, you know, than it would with blackjack. And he was insisting, you know, that, no, it's, it's the same, it's the same social dynamic between blackjack and poker. And so, um, a comic came upstairs, um, and Gary Goldman, And I was like, Gary, do you know anything about poker? Can you please like tell him that I'm right? Um, And Gary goes, I don't really know anything about poker, but you can ask um, him. He wrote Rounders and he was with Brian Koppelman. Yeah, they're like best friends. And it was it was as though like if Koppelman thought that (laughs) I staged it, he would have been right to think that because it was so wild. (laughs) And and so I like ran through the thing. And Koppelman was like, 100% Kim's right. Bye. He was like, Bye. Thank you. And <laughs> Keith was like, All right. You, you can't really argue after that. How do you
0: get like Brian Koppelman to settle a poker debate That's for amazing. you? Like, what have you he, ever done? Got- I wrote rounders, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah. He wrote rounders. And Keith was like,
1: Good the day. The trick like, is I- to in- ensure that you never get involved in any debate about poker unless Brian Koppelman is in the room. <laughs> right.
2: exactly exactly and I can if you guys want I'll put his number up on the on the <laughs> podcast so if you are having one you can just give him a call and ask
0: <laughs> all right uh, my dear friend Kimberly it is a rite of passage on this show that you have to endure one of my stupid games that I've created just for you this game is called Outside Inside Amy Schumer <laughs> Great. It is Perfect. a simple trivia game of what some of the people who worked on Inside, outside of Inside Amy Schumer. Got it? Good. Okay. Now, you have two lifelines. You can Hector a Hardigan, which means you have to bother James Hardigan into helping you.
1: Okay. okay. Caveat. Major caveat here, Kim. First of all, I don't understand the concept of the quiz. Secondly, no. if it's about US TV sketch comedy, uh, that's not an area of expertise for me.
0: You also have a lifeline because your husband actually knows stuff too. You can vibrate a Vinny if he's around? Uh, yeah. Okay, great. Do you want to practice vibrating Vinny? Okay, here we we're, go.
2: We're all set on that front. <laughs> Whole marriage of practice.
0: Question number one. Inside Amy Schumer, executive producer and I believe head writer Jesse Klein is now one of the creative forces behind the animated series Big Mouth what is jesse's character's name on big mouth now i've got choices here
2: it's jesse <laughs>
0: it's is it jesse glazer jesse rosen no. jesse hoffman no. or jesse carabbit no jesse glazer is correct Thank question you. One. here we go man. question number two
2: i know we're doing a, a thing but she's the she's the best man
0: i'm glad to hear you say that i was going to ask but i i would hate to ask and have you be like
2: uh, no, no, God. she is deeply the best.
0: Uh, I went through her IMDb page uh, as, and I was like, oh wow, way more than I even thought. He's a killer. Uh, Inside Amy Schumer guest star Josh Charles absolutely crushes it as the coach of a high school football team. <laughs> In what movie does he play a high school student outside Inside Amy Schumer?
2: Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead.
0: That is correct. Without I don't need multiple the choices. Choice. Love it. Wow, Holy Love it. shit. <laughs> question number three. Uh, what's really weird is there's two movies that he plays a high school student, and I didn't include the easier one. I included the dip more, and you nailed that one. OK, question number three. Inside Amy Schumer, writer and performer Neil Casey has gone on Ghostbusters. To- Oh, almost. I I saw where you were going with this one. Has gone on to extremely memorable roles outside Inside Amy Schumer. Which of the following actors has never played his on-screen foil outside Inside Amy Schumer? Is it Melissa McCarthy, Larry David, Adam Conover, or Bill Nye the Science Guy?
2: Can you just tell me? Can I phone a Stapes?
0: You can signal escapes. That's me signaling a <laughs> Melissa McCarthy was his foil in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Larry David, they had a great scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Adam Conover had it out with Neil Casey in an episode of Adam Ruins Everything. He has never gotten into it with Bill Nye the Science
2: That guy. was a clever, uh, that was a clever batch. Because Bill Nye was
0: on our show, so it made sense. Oh, nice. That
2: was tricky.
0: Question number four. Inside Amy Schumer, all-star comedian Kyle Dunnigan has appeared outside Inside Amy Schumer in both the original Reno 911 series, the 2020 reboot, and the Reno 911 movie. What was the name of Kyle's character from the Reno 911 movie?
2: Is it Craig?
0: Craig is the name of his character from the TV show. Oh, OK. <laughs> but in the movie, was he? did he play Man on Bicycle, Bomb Squad member three, or Drug Lord's first hostage?
2: Well, I can't imagine him ever riding a bicycle because he's so uncoordinated um, and awful. Uh, the Drug Lord, I, you know, I don't know, probably nothing. I, d- I doubt he made it into the
1: movie. <laughs> <laughs> Deleted scene.
2: Deleted scene. Kyle again is the the single funniest person I've ever met and being like being with him saves you would lose your mind. You would cry laughing. Spend, I like, cried like, laughing
0: like, at one of the sketches he was in on uh, Inside Amy Schumer. Since you complimented a Kyle and that's one of your lifelines, I'm going to give you Drug Lord's first hostage.
2: Yeah.
0: Was that one? Just two questions left here. Oh, no. We're, we've got three. We got to speed this up. Okay, here we go. When it comes to acting, it doesn't get much more haughty than Paul Giamatti. Calls inside inside Amy Schumer and he's been outside inside Amy Schumer. Outside inside Amy Schumer, he's memorable in almost everything, except for these four movies, you can't actually remember if he was in or not. Tell, me, whi- wedding. tell me which one of these that Paul Giamatti is not in.
2: Oh.
0: Is he not in Welcome to Marwen? Is he not in The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Is he not in The Hangover Part 2? Or is he not in Rock of Ages? Um,
2: I'm phoning a heart
0: again. Hectoring oh a heart again. Hectoring
2: a, <laughs> Hectoring I a have heart
1: again. no recollection of Paul Giamatti in The Hangover Part 2, but that doesn't mean he wasn't in it. I don't even remember him in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I'm going to go with my initial instinct and say Hangover Part 2.
0: We were looking for Welcome to Marwen, which I just think uh, is a hilarious title of a movie. James, okay. you,
1: had, you had one job. I... <laughs> I did tell you at the start that I was gonna struggle with this quiz.
2: But Uh, you said sketch, not Giamatti. Like, you should have Giamatti's resume kinda
0: on the ready. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's true, actually. Like Joe, I need to spend more time looking at people's IMDB pages. And getting things wrong
0: when you interview them, even though they're close (laughs) friends. Okay, here we go. Question number six. There is an amazing sketch written by a hilarious writer on Inside Amy Schumer, where Liam Neeson owns a funeral home. Trust me, which of the following movies, wow, I did not write this correctly. Which of the following movies is a real Liam Neeson movie and not one I made up?
2: Oh, that's fun.
0: Is it Retaliation Factor, Common Ground, Silent Intent, or Cold Pursuit?
1: So you're saying that three of those are fake Liam Neeson movies?
0: Correct. And one of them I, is a real Liam Neeson movie.
1: I want to see all of them. I want <laughs> I want Hollywood commissioning all these movies right now. Stick a gun in Liam Neeson's hand. It's effectively <laughs> the same story every time. Three different titles, straight to DVD. We got ourselves a winner. The,
0: the best part is that whatever movie I've just read, Kim's probably seen it. Like, because Kim and Vinny watch everything.
2: I'm, I am a Liam gal. <laughs> Probably.
0: Um, train to nowhere. Train to nowhere. Not one of the choices, but I'm gonna give uh, it to you anyway. I <laughs> am I right in thinking that Silent
1: Intent is actually a movie? I think Common Ground
0: is the real movie. Oh, Common Ground is not the real movie. Silent Intent is not the real movie. Retaliation <laughs> Factor is not the real movie. Cold, Cold
1: suit.
2: Oh, I actually I just, saw that. <laughs> I told you you saw it. I fucking I told totally you. I totally saw that. Uh, All right.
0: Last question here, and then we get to release you from this torture. Uh, Jeff Goldblum served as the jury foreman in the 12 Angry Men episode, which might be one of the greatest episodes of television ever. I'm a um, fan. Of Inside Amy Schumer. Outside Inside Amy Schumer, Jeff Goldblum has released two musical albums. False. What What <laughs> instrument does he play on said albums? Is it the saxophone, the bass fiddle, the piano, or the skin flute?
2: <laughs> I, I hope selfishly that it's the saxophone, because I like picturing him with like glasses playing the saxophone.
0: He, in fact, plays piano outside, inside Amy Schumer. Oh.
2: That'll get it done, too. Kim to a
1: and then it kind of like
0: still. <laughs> no one does well in the games. That's the whole point. They're that torture the point. for the guests. Kim, you're a dear friend. Thank you so much for doing the show. You're one of my favorite people. You are hilarious. I can't wait to see what comes next from you.
2: Thanks, friend. Thanks, guys, for having me. This um, this isn't going to actually like end up anywhere, right? Nope. Nope. okay <laughs> thanks guys
1: bye to close out this week's episode it's that part of the show where we give one of our loyal listeners the chance to win a Sunday Million ticket and to PokerStars merch it's Superfan vs. Stapes and this week we are welcoming to the show Mr. Mark Hindry hello Mark hello
3: thanks very much for having me on guys it's a real pleasure Mark. long time fan of the show
0: Awesome talking to you, man. I, I have to say thank you and apologize uh, just that um, I, I, I didn't watch 40 episodes of Top Boy. <laughs> I'll just say that, uh, I will, I, or whatever it is, 24 episodes of four.
1: Top Boy. Joe, your mission was to watch four episodes. Yeah,
0: not just... We had other things going on. Unfortunately, did not watch all four seasons of Top Boy. I watched less.
1: Four episodes, not four seasons. Four episodes. That's all you were required to do.
0: Uh, look, in ad- in addition to some other things that we had going on. Yes, all I had to do was watch four more hours of things. Um, I, I, look, occasionally, I, I'm apologizing to you, Mark, not to you, James. That's all. But the oh, good news okay. is, you're gonna be you're gonna be a favorite here. I think.
1: I hope so. I mean, we tried, Mark. We tried to get it down from three seasons to maybe two seasons to one season to a few episodes. We failed. Um, But you never know. With the multiple choice element and with Patrick's random questions, who knows where this quiz is going to go. More importantly, let's talk about you. Thank you for being a loyal supporter, but tell us about yourself. What is your story?
3: Well, I guess in keeping with your um, regular contestant profile, I did actually used to work in IT. Um, Got... (laughs) completely fed up with it about three years ago, um, gave up and have sort of become a man of leisure. So I um, live on the south coast uh, in between Portsmouth and Southampton, but this week I'm in Derbyshire with some mates on a cycling training break if you like so our, our plan was to do the um ETAAP in france one of the stages of the tour de france in july yep. and this was to be our training week for that but that was cancelled so we thought we'd do the training week anyway and then do a, an event in wales instead
0: Sorry, when you do something like that right when you when you want to cycle part of the tour de france do you have to can you just go do it or do you have to like get permission or a permit or something <sighs> What they
3: what they do is they um, so one stage from the tour. I mean, bearing in mind these guys are doing multiple days of this sort of riding, they open up to the public. So it's limited, but it's limited to a large number of people. It's sixteen thousand people, but oh, it sells man. out. It sells out within <laughs> it sells out within almost no time at all. Um, so it would have been in Nice this year. It sort of takes in two mountains, 170 kilometers, a lot of climbing. It, it would have been a really, really hard day on the bike. So I'm, I'm almost relieved that we're not having to do it.
0: What One, one last question. What's the yeah. bell ringing etiquette? Do, do you have to ring the bell as you're passing people? or?
3: Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, normally. So with, with other cyclists, you normally give them some warning. You're going to be coming bar- past. <laughs> and certainly, certainly with pedestrians, you, you ring your bell because it's just, just polite, really, I guess, rather than
1: and of <laughs> upsetting course. people. Very important to have the basket on the front so you can yes, collect absolutely. your groceries yeah. as you oh, yeah. go. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say on this matter, Mark, is I think the training session sounds like a lot of fun. At least you've picked absolutely the perfect time of year to do it. Cycling outdoors right now in the current climate is going to be, well, maybe even too hot. But you've got good weather for it. Is what I'm saying. It it has
3: been lovely. Yeah. It, it, if anything, as you say, a little bit too hot. But it is it's gorgeous up here. Some a lot of hills. Yeah. So, so I, was, I was really pleased to have this this day as a, our, our short day from this week. So, it's quite nice to, to be able to break a little bit early and uh, to come on here. Cool. So,
1: how much of your time do you spend cooped up indoors playing poker?
3: Uh, I try to play. I play probably, I reckon, about three times a week. So, um, generally, shorter games. So, play a lot of, um, lots of low stakes Zoom, uh, Hyper Turbos. Um, what about
0: Grand Tour?
3: Grand tour, yes, definitely grand tour. Yeah, really um, I got addicted to that at one point. And then, you know, you go, it's you have a lot of ups and downs, I think, when you play yeah. it. So I ended up a lot of the time just keep kept losing, 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 sort of gave up for a bit, came back to it. But then you have a couple of, you know, decent sized wins and that, that makes up for a lot of sort of small entries. Mark, you know what you gotta so do? Great. You have
0: to uninstall the software and then reinstall <laughs> it. That's how they that's how you clear out your little, ah, your see? bad B G yeah. yeah, that's what I do.
3: But, but I've been a member of um, PokerStars since 2004. So it all wow. started off with a friend of mine who was having home games, and we were playing, or he was playing at the time, limit poker. Um, went down round for a few games of that, and he, he sort of he came up with this idea which we'd never heard of before, which was to play, you know, tournament poker. So it was news. Everyone, everyone was a little bit sceptical, but thought, yeah, we'll give it a go. And, and from that point onwards, I was hooked and joined PokerStars. in you know, 2004, and and have played pretty much ever since.
1: Cool. Wow, I, I don't think I even opened my stars account until 2005, so you precede me. Yeah. Um, Mark, you chose Top Boy as your specialist subject, something that Joe's not seen a single episode of. What slightly confused me is you suggested this thinking that we discussed it on the show before. Yeah. I mean, my memory's not what it used to be, but I know I've never watched it. Joe's clearly never watched it. So when did it come up uh-huh. in conversation? That's that's interesting, because I
3: I had it in the back of my mind that Joe had mentioned it, and it it was just something that was sort of registered, but not. I I didn't think much more of it. And then I was looking on um, Netflix for something new to watch and thought, oh, that sounds interesting. And something had sort of told me that, i'd heard it mentioned and i assumed it was on your podcast so i thought i'd give it a watch and it was it was just really appealing it was you know it was, it's the as you probably know the early episodes or the first i think four or eight were from 2011 2013 yeah. so a long time ago but i completely missed it at that point but it's that sort of program where, you know i really like that gritty london drama yeah. and it's a, it was really good i was hooked
1: I find it hilarious that Joe recommended a TV show that he's never heard of or seen, but got you to watch it and you enjoyed it. So, Yeah, yeah, um, thank you, Joe. There are 10 questions. Now, interestingly, they've been broken down by Patrick. The first two questions about episode one, the next two questions about episode two, episode three, episode four, and then the final two questions are overall. I appreciate, Joe, that's going to make no difference to you. But just so you're aware, Mark, when you choose a question. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'll let you know which episode it relates to. And as you know, you get to go first. So please give me a yeah. number between one and ten. Jen, you know, I think I'll start sequentially and go for number one, please. Number one. So you know this relates to episode one. Uh, and yep. again, apologies if I'm not completely au fait with the characters. Is it Ranel or Ranel?
3: It, it is Ranel. Yeah, it's really. It's, okay, it's a weird spelling. It's R A apostrophe N E
1: double L. Correct. So who tells Ranel that his mum is in the hospital? That'll be Leon. That is Leon for two points. Joe, you are screwed. Um, maybe, maybe you <laughs> want- I'll,
0: I'll, take, I'll take the general questions. About yeah, I was going to say, there are two <laughs> yeah. of
1: those. So you've got nine or 10, what do you want to go with?
0: Nine, we'll go with my lucky number nine.
1: Uh, name the actor who plays DeShane.
0: I will take the choices.
1: Is it Ashley Walters, Michael Ward, Kane Robinson, or Nicholas Pinnock?
0: I think it's Ashley Walters.
1: It is for one point. And you are up next, Mark. Okay, hey, I'll uh, have number two, please. Number two. Where does DeShane first meet Bobby Rakes?
3: I think, oh, let me think. Um, I believe it's in, I think it's in a
1: club. It is in like a, club, a club for two yeah. points. Congratulations. Question 10, Joe?
0: Yes, please.
1: Hopefully you were listening carefully. In what year did the show first air? Uh, 2011. Correct, for two points. Mark, don't worry. Don't worry. Three points. (laughs) He's not going to get any more than that. Uh, At least it's not an egg, Joe. Uh, Do you want to carry on?
0: I shouldn't have even fucking confessed.
1: (laughs) 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 Do you want to keep going sequentially? Yeah, let's go. Number three, thanks. Okay, number three. What is the official name for the colour of paint that Ranel uses? Multiple choice options are available should you need no, them. I'm pretty sure I know this. Oh, crikey, what is it? I think I might have to take the options. Okay, the options are Loyal Wheat, moon shadow, Ceramic Blush, or Acorn Ash. It's
0: Loyal Wheat. It Since is Loyal Wheat. It,
1: for a single point, 5-3 the score. Joe, where... All the questions now relate to specific episodes, so...
0: I hate... First of all, I hate disloyal wheat, so I'm glad they went with the loyal wheat. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just... Uh, I'll take the latest question. Question eight. Eight.
1: Who is the last on-screen death of the season? So which character do we see die last in the first season? And I'm going to give you a clue here. The name has been mentioned already. Okay. Now, you can take the options if you want. Yep. Is it Lee, Leon, Kamal, or Bobby Rakes?
0: Leon. No, it was
1: Bobby Rakes. Ah. Uh, question four, Mark. Yes, please. What is inside the car that DeShane and Sully burn at the end of episode two? There's a um, there's
3: a body in the boot.
1: There is a body in the boot of the car and the bonus question, whose body is it?
3: Uh, it's Kamali's cousin, Sean.
1: Congratulations, you get the bonus point as well and you lead 8-3. I,
0: I would have got that one, by the way, the body. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. 5-6-7 um,
1: still on the board, Joe.
0: Um, let's go with six. I never picked six.
1: What's the name of Gem's dog? This is from episode three, by the way.
0: Okay, go ahead with the choices.
1: Bailey, Trixie, Precious, or Marnie? Trixie. Incorrect. Marnie, as in the (laughs) Alfred Hitchcock movie. Final question, Mark. Five or seven? Oh, I'm going to have to go.
3: It's always coming to seven,
0: aren't I? Yeah, at the end.
1: So this relates to episode four. How much was DeShane meant to pay Ronnell for the cannabis? Uh, 20k. 20,000 pounds, correct. So you have a score of 10 points. Come on, Joe, let's see if we can get you up from three to four. Question number five, who do we discover to be the snake?
0: Okay, I have heard the question. Now I will receive the choices. Jem, Lee,
1: Chantel, Driss.
0: You never really trust a Lee. I'm going to go with Lee.
1: I love your logic, Joe. That does get you up to four points. And the final (laughs) score is four points to Joe, who's never seen a single episode. Ten points to Mark Hindry this week's Superfan. Congratulations, Mark. You are going to be receiving a $109 ticket to the Sunday Million Plus, of course. We'll sort you out with some PokerStars swag
3: thank you very much indeed and uh, keep up the great work i'm a r- big fan of not only the, your podcast but all of your coverage and your um, cover sales on, coverage on pokestars.net to TV, and also can't wait for it to come back onto channel 4 when it eventually does oh buddy thank you so much
1: thank Mark, you thank you for the kind words and thank you for sparing the time to come on the show today thanks very much it's been a pleasure
0: All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show, and we're almost out of time for this entire season of the podcast. Coming up next week, it is the season finale and the Battle of Algiers super fan quiz. I finally not,
1: do not <laughs> approach this as a chore. This is a delight. As yes. I said to Patrick earlier this week, I'm giving you the privilege of watching this movie. Uh, by the way, Joe, considering it is not just the finale of this season of Poker in the Years. It will also next week be our final Stars retro stream covering the LAPT. I think we should do a bit of a retro recap. Um, in real time, recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, we still have two streams to go. And what I find interesting is that this has evolved from us looking back at old poker events and providing kind of contemporary commentary over old school no limit hold'em this is james and joe react to badly made tv shows which i kind of feel is where we're at right now with season three of the lapt
0: yeah i guess really the way we should have looked at it is that our normal tv shows are james and joe react to good poker tv shows uh and now we get to react to ones that were hey they were just figuring it out we'll just say but yes um and I think it's good I think it's good that we made that pivot, you know? We don't have to sit there and analyze poker from 2010. We can just be like, let's just enjoy the ride. Let's just it's, let's just it, goof on these guys a little bit.
1: It's also impossible to analyze poker when you're looking at a free roll like the America's Cup and it was much more important that we tried to get our heads around the format <laughs> and the scoring this? the scoring system which was either completely arbitrary or had not been recorded properly for the purposes of creating graphics.
0: Yeah, just very bizarre all around. We're like, it's just complete random winners. Go back and la- well, watch last week's uh, Poker Stars Retro, if you guys haven't already. It was one of the more fun ones we did. Uh, two more of those coming up. One more, technically, if you're listening to this on the day this comes out. Uh, we're all full up on uh, super fans and guests for this particular season. However, we would love for you guys to stay in touch with us uh, over the next bunch of weeks while we're off and, and keep us apprised on who it is you would like to hear from and what sorts of subjects you would like to tackle in Superfan versus Stapes. Use that hashtag, P-I-T-E, Pite.
1: Yes. Now, obviously, I did dangle the carrot, of the extra Sunday Million tickets for our Battle of Algiers Superfan. And as a consequence, that brought a number of volunteers to the table. Obviously, we had an application within an hour of the podcast going live last Thursday. So first come, first served. But what I have said to everyone else is, look, you can't do Battle of Algiers. I can't give you three Sunday Million tickets. but But, you know, when we come back in August, September, let us know what you want to talk about. Let's get those slots booked up. And you're absolutely right, Joe. Guest suggestions. What do you want us to cover on the show? Who do you want us to talk to? Uh, there, we have our certain tent poles where there's a major online series. We're going to preview it. We're going to recap it. Where there's a really bad poker movie and I think I saw a trailer for one the other day or rather the honest trailer for a movie called Money Plane which absolutely has to be on our radar and could, and I emphasize the word could, be an even worse movie than Danny's Game. So there's... There's stuff like that that's going to be on the agenda. But other than that, consider it a blank canvas. Please apply some paint.
0: Excellent. Very good. Looking forward to next season already. However, we are not done with this season yet. We are done with this particular episode. We are, in fact, out of time. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Spell you later.